Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. And welcome to episode 276 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with Daryl. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's been a few weeks since you've been on, so what have you been up to? I have been stretching my subscription services to the limit. Uh, <laughs> the first thing I've been I've been watching is The Guardians on Netflix. And the easy way to find it would be probably to type Korean into the Netflix <laughs> search box. Right. And that would bring it up. Guardians is an interesting one. The sort of like straightforward premise is that it's a group of normal everyday citizens who've been affected by crime, work behind the scenes to deal with corruption and bring justice to those people who have been wronged. Right. So that's the initial premise. In the initial episode, we see like a load of different threads being put in, but the main one you follow is this young detective, single mother, you know, lives with a kid and her grandmother. She sort of gets involved tangentially mm-hmm. because the Guardians forced this guy to commit to a crime he committed like seven years ago and got away with where he stabbed a um, corner store guy and stole the money. Right. But someone else went to jail for it. Aha. Uh-huh. So it all sort of springs up from there. And I watched the first three episodes. It feels like if you had Revenge, the ABC show, you know, yeah. featuring Emily Van Camp on one side and then there's like crazy melodrama on the other side. Interesting. And, and it's like the, the, episode, the episode's like one hour long. as an actual one hour and not one hour with commercial break. So there's a lot that goes on and there's a lot of threads, a lot of characters to keep track of. But it's really entertaining and it's really it really sucks you in and makes you want to press next episode when it, when the thing comes up. Hmm. If you've ever watched Korean shows, you have an idea of what to expect. If you haven't, it's a, it's a pretty wild ride. <laughs> Excellent. I like shows that are like that, that make you want to binge the next one straight away. They're, they're good, those. Yeah. Um, the next thing is I watched Happy Death Day, which I've heard about a lot for ages and ages. Like cult classic modern horror right I guess before lockdown now I went a quick run through the store and found this for two pounds for Blu-ray and I thought oh, I'll buy that <laughs> and I've never bought Blu-ray before I sort of stopped buying stuff on DVD back when Blu-rays were just starting out right look at home it's Groundhog Day meets horror <laughs> um, where on this very very unpleasant young woman in college her birthday she keeps getting killed and waking up at the beginning to do it all over again <laughs> that's really and so interesting then, yeah and obviously we go through all these durations and eventually sort of halfway through after a bit of a slow start of the first I don't know four or five kills she gets the idea of like actually having you know to track down who might want to kill her and why and that's when it gets a lot more interesting there's a couple of threads that go off in different directions a couple of misdirects and by the end of it well we'll have to see what happens it has a sequel I believe yes, yes Happy Death Day 2 Happy Death Day to uh, you it's which, called apparently oh 
very good very good yes marketing people earn their pay there <laughs> yeah. um, which I think I'll probably have to just see if I can find and watch it as well yeah pretty fun good I don't know hour and a half or however long it is I wasn't bored I wasn't clock watching so it kept things interesting yeah I'm not massively into horror but I rather like the sound of that it's a, it's see, a... I don't I'm not a big fan of horror but yeah. this is pretty good yeah um, it stars Jessica Roth and was written by Scott Lobdell yeah he's a comic book writer you would know yeah. who's known pretty much for his um, X-Men's runs he's done X-Men Men and Red Hood and the Outlaws and a whole bunch of things as other things as well. He did some, I think he did a run on Superman as well. Yeah, that's interesting. But it's uh, yeah produced by Bloomhouse Christopher Landon, who was screenwriter for Paranormal Activity two and three and four and Paranormal Activity. But basically, all the Paranormal Activities apart from the first one. Yeah, I think I watched maybe two of those. They, they were pretty good. But yeah, Bloomhouse. Most of the ones that I've watched, Bloomhouse have been pretty fun. I particularly like Wish Upon. That's probably my like, sort of favourite of theirs that's come out yeah I would definitely recommend yeah and the next one is I finally finished off the sort of second half of Impulse, which was the YouTube premium show, which is now cancelled. Yes. Two seasons, which itself was a sort of spin-off from Jumper, which was a series of books. And obviously one of as a movie with um, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Starring Maddie Hassan. Pretty impressive young actor. Also stars Sarah Desjardins, who you might have seen if you caught the last season of Riverdale. She was one of the girls at the private school that Jughead goes to. Right. Okay. It's a pretty intense story. It revolves around Maddie, who plays Henry, actually named Henrietta. And in the very first episode, so it's not particularly spoiler, she is attacked by one of her school friends. And that causes her power to manifest, which, if you've been listening, is the power to teleport. Mm. But what it also does at that time is she's attacked in a car. What it does is it distorts things around her. So it crushes the car and cripples her assailant. Yes. She finds herself somewhere else and the first season is her PTSD her dealing with what the hell happened and the fact that she has powers some shady organizations wanting to get access to her powers and yes she is just a very at that time emotionally devastated character she's also very flawed when we get to the second half of season two we see more of her own issues and her failings she has this relentless drive to find out what happened to her father and obviously we have some idea of what might happen to because we get to see him in, in like flashbacks and there are obviously parallel stories going on but I think one of the overarching things is that she has this friend who's on the spectrum who calls her superhero because obviously she can teleport. Yes. <laughs> That's what superhero does. So he is very much trying to encourage her to be that, to be that idea of a superhero that he knows from his comics. Right. But as we sort of get to the end of the second half of season two, he actually has this talk with another one of her friends is that I don't know if I'm a sidekick or a henchman <laughs> just because Henry more and more begins to especially seeing from someone sort of like with his innocent eyes him just, just seem evil yeah um, he's a very black and white sort of guy it's an amazing show the acting is incredible the writing it's just so it's so strange. I can remember watching the first season in maybe three days right even though it's so rough because it doesn't pull any punches and she has these flashbacks which obviously bring back visual on screen right. flashbacks and there are tons of warnings every single episode right. for that reason for whether you know trigger yeah. warnings it is very tough to watch but the show was so good which is why it was so awful to have it cancelled back in March um, yeah. this year yeah it's a shame it because yeah because yeah. of YouTube 
YouTube basically shut down all their scripted dramas. It's a shame that one didn't get picked up by anybody else. I guess it didn't have the advantage of something like Cobra Kai, which has a built-in audience for it already. Indeed. And it's also interesting because it's very much a female-led show, female-head writer, showrunners. Yeah. If you look at the top 10 characters in terms of screen time, seven of them are women, and Mm. they tell those stories and uh, the manager's potential enemy and otherwise his supports is a very different thing from what we tend to see. Yeah, yeah. So in so many ways, it's awful to see that it's gone. But I think you should definitely, if you can, definitely go and watch it. I'm sure eventually someone will buy up the two seasons yeah. so they can, so they can um, show it away from YouTube. It does end on a heck of a cliffhanger, but yeah. at the same time, it does, it does resolve some of the issues around season two, so you're not completely left hanging. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the autistic student that you mentioned he's the sort of sidekick or henchman yeah, his name is Daniel Maslani he is younger brother of Tatiana Maslani who uh, oh. of course we know from Orphan Black okay, and- also, he's amazing he does amazing work in what could be a pretty awkward role clearly a very talented acting family there <laughs> yeah definitely so obviously it's a shame to see it go but yeah it was excellent my next watch was a good old-fashioned cheesy disaster film called Arctic Blast, and you can <laughs> catch it over on Prime Video. And it stars Michael Shanks, yes, of Stargate SG One, yes, Doctor Daniel Jackson. Yes. You must say his full name. Yes, he stars as a meteorologist, and the disaster is that after a solar eclipse, somehow it allows a bit of very chilly, super chilled air, 120 miles up. The air there will you know, instantly freeze you, and is minus 120 degrees centigrade. So right. somehow the solar eclipse allows a break in the air thing that sends that down to ground level. And as this guy warns everyone, as any good disaster film does, the authorities ignore him yes. until people start dying. Yes, of course. And this film has one of the highest body counts that I've seen in these sort of cheesy disaster <laughs> films. Everybody's getting killed. Excellent. And it also features Indiana Evans. So if you're a fan of Home and Away, you might remember her as an actor from way back in early 2000s, maybe late 90s as his daughter it's pretty fun special effects are beefy there's a whole lot of dry <laughs> ice i put it that way but the story itself moves along at a good pace and it was a lot of fun it's something simple watching it, it worked well worth a look if you like your disaster movies absolutely <laughs> good my final thing is that i finally sat down over the weekend and played division two warlords of new york which is the expansion to division two yes and went all the way through it so it offers like an extra 10 levels of fighting Division 2 is set in Washington, and this goes back to New York, which is where the first game was set. And you finish things off with a guy called Aaron Keener, who was a former Division agent who went rogue. Right. And you find out more about why he went rogue. I finished it in about maybe, mm, I would say, four or five hours of playing. So maybe like over three or four days. That's not bad for um, a It's quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good sort of DLC. Plus it adds in the New York location that you can still go back to for endgame. Adds in some raids, which are eight-player things, and right. some more dungeons, which four player yeah and lots of weapons and armors and fun things for you to do the storyline's great it really drags you into that idea of you this lone agent sent into hostile place to try and help people who haven't completely lost it yeah so you help the survivors sort of rebuild society and you fight against one faction of people who are called the cleaners who believe that you know the best way to beat this virus which is 
swept through America. You get another faction who are carriers but immune to it. Right. And they were all packed off into pretty much a large camp and things went very, very wrong there, resulting in the death of a lot of their people. So they banded together, became their own faction and wanted revenge against everyone else. And so it's just fighting against them, protecting the non-citizens. And it's a lot of fun. And it's a third person shooter. Yeah. Because I can't deal with first person shooters. <laughs> my yeah. eyes don't like that. Yeah. No, I, I'm kind of with you there. I played the first division game, but I didn't play any of the second one. But uh, yeah, no, they were, they were good fun that. And I've actually broke out the PS4, which I don't play anywhere near enough. But Spider-Man Miles Morales came out and obviously came out with the PS5, but you can't buy a PS5 anywhere right now. So uh, I got the PS4 version because I love the original Spider-Man game. I thought that was brilliant. I ended up playing. Uh, so I've, I actually have finished it today, completed it. It's probably, I don't know, 15, 20 hours worth of game playing it. So it isn't as big as the original, but kind of knew that going in. This was always kind of a 1.5 game, not a sort of Spider-Man 2 game. There is a Spider-Man 2 in development, I believe, but this was always kind of a stopgap in between and uh, expands the Miles story. And it's nice. I mean, you know, it's familiar, but he has a couple of extra skills. There's a sort of energy blast thing which he has, which is quite nice yeah. and quite good fun to play with. The storyline's as good as the original Spider-Man game was, and uh, it, it, the, the original Spider-Man had really brilliant cinematic story through it and uh, I found this just as good really nice engaging character you, you can spot sort of tropes of where things are going but it does it really well a couple of larger Spider-Man villains in there there's a little bit of Peter Parker in there although the basic setup for it is that you are kind of working under Peter's wing but he's decided he's going on holiday for a couple of weeks and basically leaves New York under your care he's decided that you're at the point where you're okay to go it alone and there's a sort of larger overarching plot about you know villain rises and you have to deal with it without the help of peter well worth picking up uh, if you buy the ps4 version and then get a ps5 you get the ps5 version for free i believe as well there's quite a number of games that if they're being released on both platforms they're actually saying that you can get the ps5 version yeah if you get the ps4 i believe version. watchdogs does that as well yeah i think watchdogs does that and uh i think cyberpunk i think was doing that i think it was so there's a few games that are working on that basis which is is quite good i think i think that's definitely the way to do it but yeah well mm. well worth picking up particularly if you enjoyed the first spider-man game this is very much the same sort of thing and um if you get to the end of it there is a post-credit sequence as well which i won't say what that is but uh, just be aware there is a post-credit sequence for you to watch as well so um yeah definitely worth going to pick up if you've got a ps4 or a ps5 generally it played pretty well it started to struggle a little bit there was a couple of bits where it locked up towards the end in the later missions but rebooting it and it saves at key points automatically so it was a case of just kind of booting out of the game and booting back into it and that seemed to clear them in most cases but there were a couple of little bits where it graphically it seemed to be like just freezing slightly and the frame rate seemed to be dropping so maybe it's not quite as well put together as they hoped as towards the end of it on the PS4 but uh, it's still playable and uh, like I say I finished it really enjoyed it so uh, definitely worth going to pick that up TV wise I 
I watched a few new things. Industry, which is a new BBC Two drama. I think it's BBC and HBO actually have developed this together. Set in London, it's about a group of young graduates who are competing for a limited number of permanent positions at a leading international investment bank in London. It's an interesting sort of set of characters. You're joining them literally as they're hired. So they're kind of discovering this world as well. Has kind of an element of something like Billions to it, I guess, you know, which is the other big financial show. One thing that Billions does a lot better than this does is it explains some of the financial mumbo jumbo a lot better in Billions than this does. There were scenes in this where they're talking about certain things and you kind of wanted a bit more explanation about it. But uh, it's a sort of interesting story of, of this kind of cutthroat world and look into it. It's difficult to judge just on the first episode. So I'm going to watch a little bit more of it. It was intriguing enough for me to watch more than just that. So uh, I will watch a few more episodes and, and come back to you on it. But uh, interesting start and uh, ends with quite a surprise as well, which I, I quite liked. They had a quite a nice twist to it at the end. Uh, the Crown has returned for its fourth season on Netflix and uh, that's as brilliant as it ever was. Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is eerie and uh, it's, it's odd for me because you're heading into an area of time whereas with previous seasons it was kind of either before I was born or when I was very very young you're heading into an area of time that I remember now because I was I mean okay it was only five at the start of the 80s but I do remember Margaret Thatcher and the transitions and as I grew up because she was around for about 10 years so I knew a lot of the politicians from around that time as I went from kind of five to 15. It's really interesting watching it with through those eyes now and they're also got the introduction of Diana this time around because a lot of it's got Mm -hmm, the uh, Charles Diana relationship so this season is mainly about the sort of relationship between Thatcher and the royal family and the Charles and Diana relationship so they've got two kind of really big solid core stories running as well as all the other thing going on with the troubles in Ireland and various other events throughout those 10 years as well because it's basically the 80s the the whole of this season they're spinning quite a lot of plates this season but they're seeming to manage to do it quite well and keeping you on top of all the stories as I say Gillian Anderson I think is phenomenal in this season the rest of the cast are all great as well I mean you know their final outing on the show before they get switched over for the next two seasons they're just doing an amazing job just go and watch The Crown if you haven't watched The Crown because it's just superb I also started watching The Vow as well which is the documentary series about Nexium. One of them. Well, yes, one of them. There is a competing documentary coming out as well. This was the sort of one that a lot of people have been talking about. This was the HBO documentary. It's really odd watching it because I've, I've only watched about one and a half episodes so far, but the first episode, because it's made by one of the people, key people involved with it was somebody that was involved in the group. There's a lot of documentary footage, which was obviously shot as promotional things for it. It wasn't shot as a sort of expose. So there's a lot of him interviewing the founder and interviewing key members 
members of it directly to camera. So it's kind of strange. And then you get the, the whole of that first episode is kind of explaining what it is. And it's not until right at the very end of the first episode, you actually get the twist that there's clearly something darker going on. And one of the people involved in it, it was uh, the actress that played Aunt Beru mm-hmm. in the Phantom Menace. It's actually her, the sort of one of the main people that first kind of blows the whistle on there's something not quite right here. And Alison Mack, of course, is the other person from Smallville who was famously Indeed. involved in this and has been charged with various things. So uh, it's a really fascinating documentary series. I'm I'm really gripped by it. So I, I need to go and watch a bit more of that. But um, that's the vow. That's running on Sky Documentaries over here. Uh, have you caught any of that yet? No, I have. I'm sort of keeping away from it just because I remember sort of like when it first started coming out about Alice Mack because I was a huge fan of Smallville. It's just weird. I didn't even listen to the Michael Rosenbaum podcast featuring Sarah Edmondson. That was like a couple of episodes ago. He brought her on to talk about it and yeah. talked about some stories like a time when Alison came to visit him and was acting weird. So yeah, yeah I, just keep, I just keep away from it. Like destroying my childhood. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I could sort of understand that. Um, it must make Smallville very difficult to kind of go back and watch once you've uh, watched yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I could watch it again, which is a shame because I did want to sit down because I'm sure I missed so many episodes when it was initially out and I was in university, I think. Yeah, it is very weird. I think I've seen all the episodes of it, so I don't need to go back and watch it. But uh, yeah, it, it must make going back and watching it again very strange. The other thing I saw this week was a very interesting pilot, which was sort of under an NDA, so I can't really say anything about it, but uh, it was a uh, new show which is coming relatively soon. It'll be sometime next year. It's one that I'm very much looking forward to talking about because uh, it's somewhat unique, so uh, I rather enjoyed that. On an entirely separate note, did you see the first image of Intergalactic, the sci-fi drama that's coming to Sky in 2021? They posted an image of that. Well, yeah, I have seen this. I'm sure I've seen this on Twitter as well. Yes, it's been um, posted on Twitter. It's a very, that's quite a first image. It's a really interesting looking show. One of the most interesting <laughs> things about it is it's incredibly rare because it is a full-on British space sci-fi. You know, I yeah. mean, we've had British sci-fi over the past few years. You know, you've had things like Humans and Black Mirror and even stuff like Life on Mars or Electric Dreams or that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And we've had comedy sci-fi like Red Dwarf or family sci-fi like Doctor Who, but an actual adult space-based full-on sci-fi series. I think it's probably Blake 7 was the last time we had one of those, which ended in like, you know, early 80s probably. It's interesting that they're actually trying this. It's from Julie Geary, who worked on things like Prisoner's Wives and Secret Diary of a Core Girl. It uh, stars Savannah Stein, who plays Ash Harper, who is a young cop and intergalactic pilot. She has the, he's this glittering career ahead of her, but has it ripped away after she's wrongly convicted of a crime and sent to a distant prison colony. But on the way there, her fellow convicts on the ship take over the ship and it ends up with them uh, trying to reach this free world called Arcadia, along with her gang and 
Ash being the only pilot and finding herself stuck there basically is sort of said either fly this ship or you get shot. So that's the sort of setup for it. It does sound really intriguing. The cast's really good. It's got Paminda Nagra, who you'll know from things like uh, ER, Bend It Like Beckham was the first thing she was in, but uh, she was the, one mm-hmm. of the doctors in ER. Oliver Coopersmith from Tin Star, Craig Parkinson from Line of Duty, Imogen Danes from Black Mirror, Alema Tomlinson from Poldark, Sharon Duncan Brewster, who was in Rogue One Star Wars Story and Sex Education. Savannah Stein was in The Tunnel and Wannabe. Natasha O'Keefe as well from Peaky Blinders. It's got a really solid cast to it. I'm very intrigued to see where this goes as a show and see whether it actually works and finds an audience because it's been such a long time since we've ever had this sort of sci-fi land. And uh, yeah, they've only released the image so far, uh, but uh, it it does look like your full-blown American sci-fi, you know, so... It does, definitely. With Sky and their marketing budget, it has a good chance. Yeah, and you've got to bear in mind that a lot of the stuff that Sky are making now, there's a twofold thing for it because although they're making yeah. them here, they are selling them all to Peacock because it's all part of the same umbrella of Comcast. Sort of NBC is like a sister station to Sky. So a lot of these Sky originals are actually airing on Peacock in the US. And this, I think, is one of the ones that's going to be um, likely to land over there. I don't think they've officially picked it up yet, but I think it's very likely to land i'm very intrigued to see more of it they have said it's coming in 2021 we don't know exactly when i suspect it will be earlier than rather than later going to be one to look out for but that's that's called intergalactic that so keep your eyes open for that so that's all the stuff we've been doing let's move on to some tv and film news hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So we'll start off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, quite a lot of cancellations and renewals this time around. Netflix has cancelled The Order after two seasons. One of the uh, young adult things that they seem to be building millions of that are sort of young adult supernaturally stuff. That's not coming back. I didn't watch any of this. I don't know whether you yeah, saw it. I watched both seasons. The first season was excellent. At the end of the first season, there's this big thing which changes everything. But then the second season just sort of rambled really lots right. of episodes that felt self-contained the storyline was just tight and more the plot didn't feel like it was going anywhere and I just it was if the first season was an eight the second season was maybe a four or a five at most mm, right okay it just lost, it lost everything that made the first season so interesting to watch there were some good points but there were very few pluses and there's lots of minuses that happened in the second season yeah, so that's a shame I can't say I feel all that bad about it being cancelled right. it is a shame but it was never one that I quite got round to. I mean, I do do some of these kind of teen dramas, but that that was one that never really leapt out at me. But uh, yeah, so unfortunately, that's not coming back after two seasons. Another show which is definitely not coming back, and there have been rumours floating around, Prison Break. There have been rumours flying around that there was a sixth season in development. In fact, there were 
rather more than rumours because um, Dominic Purcell, who plays one of the two main lead cast members, had been saying uh-huh. that it was on track to be picked up. Then there was a Instagram post from Wentworth Miller basically saying that they're not going to be doing it. And uh, the reason being, or the reason that he gave, was that he doesn't want to play straight characters anymore. He came out a number of years ago, but he sort of saying that story of straight characters has been told over and over and over and I'd rather play gate characters on screen which you know is fair enough if that's what he wants to do it's a slightly odd decision maybe for an actor to pigeonhole themselves in that way but if that's what he wants to do then all power to him if that's how he feels I think part of this seems to become out there's been some bullying online about it as well so well that's a shame well obviously it is fully down to him and you got to remember he's got that CW money <laughs> after playing Captain Cold and Legend of Tomorrow probably laughing at us from the space station or whatever <laughs> but it's also good to see because he he had a nice little turn on Law and Order Special Victim Unit oh, okay. where he plays a gay law professor who was, I think was formerly a district attorney and he mentors Carisi so if anyone who's reasonably up to date knows that Carisi went from joining Team as a cop and later became a lawyer and he's now one of the assistant district attorneys so he comes on there so hopefully that means that he'll be available to turn up more because it was a great turn and we like in on Law and Order we like getting our recurring interesting characters yeah oh well that would be good yeah hopefully he turns up in a few more things because I do really like Wentworth Thriller a lot and uh, you yeah. know it'd be nice to see him back on screen I mean there is a version there's like an, there was an Earth was it an Earth 2 version of Captain Cold or Commander Cold or whatever it was. Citizen Cold was gay. Yeah. Citizen Cold, that was it. Yeah, Citizen From Cold. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to see him. Jesus, how do I even remember that? <laughs> him turn up again. Yes, because he's, wasn't he, he in a relationship with Ray? Um, yeah, with, with the Ray. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to see those characters turn up again in some way. If they could do that, that would be quite nice. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I'd, I'd love to see him back on there. Uh, it's a shame we won't be getting any more prison break, although where they could go with that I story have- Seen it yeah, I did see that new restart season. Yeah, so, um, that that's like it. Left. And, and that season I think rounded things off reasonably well. So I mean, it's not like it's left in the lurch or anything. I mean, you know, I, that did a reasonable job of it. It's just a shame because they're great those two together. It would have just been nice to see a bit more of them. That's his decision. If that's what he wants to do. Absolutely fine. That's what he feels comfortable doing. Then great. And uh, you know, I just hope to see him on screen a bit more. In terms of renewals, there are quite a lot of renewals out there. This week, we've got uh, Netflix renewing Space Force for a second season. Uh, It is going through something of a creative revamp behind the scenes. Uh, Norman Hiscock, who worked on Parks and Recreation and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, is joining as exec producer and co-showrunner alongside Greg Daniels. And they've also said Jimmy O. Yang, who's on screen in the first season, will be on screen again, but he's also joining the writing team as well for this. Um, I quite enjoyed the first season of this. It wasn't quite as funny as maybe it needed to be so I I think the sort of creative revamp idea makes sense it's one of those that I think if Netflix didn't have quite as much hold of it they may have cancelled it but it was kind of an idea that came out of an in-joke at Netflix about wouldn't it be really funny to make a TV show called Space Force after the American administration announced they were making Space Force they just thought it was a really funny silly idea and uh, they actually approached Greg 
Daniels and Steve Carell about creating the series. So Ooh. it was sort of Netflix's idea in the first place. And I, I, so I think that's part of the reason why it's probably got a second season, whereas other shows that had hit better maybe had got cancelled and this, which didn't hit quite as well, maybe got renewed. So it is an odd situation, but uh, I could stand to see more of this. I think there was a lot of potential in this series. Netflix also renewed Emily in Paris for a second season, which I haven't seen, but I know it got absolutely slated a line. Yeah, it got slated by critics, but yes, like normal viewers absolutely love it. And like you, I only recently found out that it's meant to be pronounced Emily in Paris. It's yep. meant to rhyme, yes. which blew my mind because I'd literally been hearing about this show twice or three times a week from very people, you know, either slamming it or saying how much fun they had watching it. And it's, it's one of the things went, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Netflix just casually dropped this thing out saying it's not Emily in Paris, it's Emily in Paris. And we're like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. And everybody had the same sort of reaction to it. It was like, oh, right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But uh, yeah, it's still getting called Emily in Paris by most people, I think. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those odd, odd ones that seems to have been hated by critics, but loved by, you know, it's either being loved or hate watched by people. So uh, either way, yeah. you know, it's getting viewing figures for it. But so to be fair, that's, that's pretty normal for most shows that aren't like three hour long Oscar contenders. Yeah. It tends to be critics absolutely hate it. Um, the only thing I really know about it is that Carlson Young appears in it, who I remember from the Scream TV <laughs> series for two seasons. Yeah, right. Okay. So I know maybe I'll get around to watching it eventually. I'm yeah, sure. maybe, maybe. The other thing that Netflix have renewed is the Umbrella Academy for a third season, which I'm very happy about because that ended on a huge cliffhanger for the second season. Yes, that would have been that would have been awful. That would have been truly awful. They cancelled it at that point. Yeah, because uh, that was quite the thing to drop us on. Yeah, and it's such a good show as well. So I'm just very, very happy that they brought that back as well. Over on Amazon, they've renewed Alex Ryder for a second season, which I'm quite happy about. Then that's really happy because they sort of went out on a limb making Alex Ryder. Yeah. Especially, to be fair, it's adaption that should have happened like maybe 15 years ago yeah. when Alex Ryder was huge. And the fact that they decided to make it, you know, the production company and then try and sell it, which is, you know, that's unheard of. I yeah. mean, there'd be network people whose like ears are bleeding even hearing the, of that idea yeah. of like taking that sort of a bet. I think it's amazing. Obviously, both of us saw clips of it at MCM. Yeah. Last year, was it? And interviews with the cast and it looked amazing, very well made very close to the source material which you know obviously you know it's a bugbear for me if, if it isn't so I wish them all the best really yeah me too it was a very very brave thing that Sony did with this as sort of putting their money yeah. where their mouth was and uh, you know they teamed up with 11th Hour Sony basically between them they stumped up the money and said we'll just make it and then sell it to somebody they were that confident in it I think they did a phenomenal job with the first season of it the second season is going to be based on Eagle Strike, which in keeping with what they did with the first season, because the first season didn't follow the first book in the Alex Ryder series. So they used the second book, but took elements of the first book to sort of introduce the character. Yeah, so they took the origin story, which is his uncle disappearing and then being finally dead and they shifted it into this. Into the first season, which was based on Point Blank, which is the second book. Second season is going to be based on the fourth book, which is called Eagle Strike, rather than the third book for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe they just thought the fourth book would make a, a better show don't know but so they've gone with Eagle Strike for it it's basically keeping the same team pretty much same writer behind it because it wasn't adapted by Anthony Horowitz who does sometimes adapt his own stuff it was Guy Burt who did a phenomenal job adapting that first 
season. You know, Sidecast, yeah. it's going to be running on Amazon around the world and IMDb TV in the US, which is also owned by Amazon, but it's a, it's a free streaming service that they uh, they own over there. So oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. IMDb TV are running it in the US, but uh, it'll be on Amazon Prime pretty much everywhere else. So I'm very happy that's back. I think they did a great job with it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that coming back. One of the other things, which is sort of a surprise second season's pickup, The Hot Zone, which is a National Geographic thing. The first one was starred Julian Margulies, and it was about the first time Ebola appeared on the US soil. And uh, that was the basis of that. It sounds like they're going down the sort of anthology route, because the second one's going to be about, do you remember um, just after 9-11, there was a wave of anthrax being sent to various unsuspecting victims around Florida and Washington and New York and stuff. And I do. Uh, I yeah. do remember there was crazy. Yeah. Made a bunch of people sick. So the second one is called the Hot Zone Anthrax, and it's following the people that were, were tracking that outbreak, that terrorist attack. So it's a slightly different thing to the first one, because the first one was a sort of accidental outbreak of Ebola. The second one will be based around anthrax. Presumably it's not going to have the same cast in it because it's based on a true story. So I would assume those same people weren't involved in that, unless they're going to bend it slightly to keep the same cast around. I would rather suspect that it's different people in the um, second season as well. But I, the first season of that was absolutely superb. Really, really good drama. In fact, the first season for National Geographic was the highest rated scripted drama I think they've ever had on National Geographic. I mean, admittedly, that's fairly limited when it comes to National Geographic and scripted drama. But uh, yeah, you know, even so, I definitely think it's worth another go at it. And uh, you know, particularly at the moment when we're all dealing with a pandemic, it, plus Plus, if you're going to film a TV show in the middle of a pandemic, why not pick a show where most of the cast have to be in full hazmat suits half the time? That saves you a bunch of hassle. Yep. So, Absolutely. <laughs> makes sense to me, I guess. That's thinking outside the box. It is, certainly. That will be coming back to National Geographic in the US. Presumably it'll air on National Geographic in the UK because they aired the first season of it as well. So I, I expect it'll be on National Geographic over here as well. And uh, over on ITV, they've ordered Manhunt 2, The Night's Stalker, which is uh, a following Martin Clunes again as DCI Colin Sutton as he follows a, a new different case. Again, it's based on a real case of DCI Colin Sutton's diaries. So it's following another case of his. They're very into their true crime on ITV at the moment. Really, really into their true crime. That's been filmed next year. In terms of pickups of Van dates and coronavirus stuff, there was a whole bunch of things that have been suspended this week for uh, coronavirus outbreaks. Bosch, the Amazon series, that's had its production suspended for a week after a COVID-positive test. Real Housewives of Atlanta suspended for two weeks after a COVID-positive test. And Chicago Fire also suspended production for two weeks after a COVID-positive test. So, uh, yeah, that's all very unfortunate. But, you know, it, that's what they're having to do right now. You know, if somebody tests positive, they have to shut everything down. The Good Doctor, Richard Schiff, who you'll you'll also know from the West Wing, played Toby in the West Wing, and his wife, who is... Uh, the actress Sheila Kelly who I didn't actually realise this but his wife on The Good Doctor is played by his actual wife both of those have tested positive for COVID Richard's actually in the hospital at the moment and uh, I really really hope that he pulls through it okay he's on oxygen and stuff and uh, you know he is sending out messages on social media saying you know he's doing okay but he's in hospital as precaution so best wishes to both of them because the horrible illness that is uh, particularly for people of an older generation which Richard does fall into 
quality. So uh, hopefully they'll be okay and they'll both pull through it fine. Production itself has not been impacted. They're still filming. Just best wishes to both of them. And I hope they pull through everything okay. In terms of other production changes, we mentioned a few of these last week. There's a couple of other interesting things in terms of older actors. NCIS Los Angeles, Linda Hunt, who plays Hetty, is 75 years old. And uh, she's quite an integral part of NCIS LA. As uh, I don't watch the show, yes. but you know she is quite an integral part of it. They apparently filmed her scenes in the premiere in her driveway. <laughs> yeah. Was how they got round of it. So she for the past few seasons they have been lessening her role. So I think even though she's probably still got starring things, she's more of a recurring character. Right. So it's not as strange for her not to appear in episodes. Yeah. So I guess that's a small positive yeah. from this. But I like the fact that they managed to include her and they just turned up at her house and shot yeah. it all in the driveway. I think that's fantastic that they're doing things like that. Generally, though, they are keeping a lot of older actors, like Robert Wagner, I think, did a guest run on the main NCIS, so, and they had talked sure. about bringing his character back, yeah. but he's in his 80s at this point, and they've reworked that. So, you know, hopefully they can use him at some point in the future, but at the moment, they're not bringing him back because it's just not safe for somebody of that age to be on set right now. The uh, guy that runs The Rookie has also said that when they come back, they might not be doing the roll call scenes, you know, at the start of the day where they're all hand out, handing yeah, out. Yeah, with the sergeant. To, yeah, yeah. Talks to him, yeah. Yeah, with the sergeant talks which, to him, is so, a, which is huge. It's a huge part of the rookie, which is a shame. But yeah, because of the stay fact. Stay safe. Yeah, so you've got to stay safe. They've just sort of said that they might not be able to do those scenes because of the fact that pretty much the entire cast packed into one room, and that's quite dangerous to do at the moment. So uh, you might not see those when that comes back. And uh, Superstore, apparently, uh, this is quite interesting. Superstore, they've lessened the number of extras, which makes sense because they don't want as many people wanting. Yeah around in the background so they've got sort of the people oh, that they have been using it's kind of walking off one side of camera changing a hat and walking back the other way um, but, <laughs> but the other thing that they've been doing is uh, playing crowd noises over the top you know they've they've amped up the crowd noises a little bit so it sounds like there are more people in the store than there actually are which I thought was quite good excellent and The Flash season 7 which is the, the season we haven't seen yet that's the one that starts next year They're apparently the finale for that is supposed to have quite a large crowd scene and uh, that that's had to be entirely rewritten because they can't do it. So uh, they are making kind of changes and altering stuff. And But uh, I just thought those were kind of interesting from a production point of view. Speaking of US TV, they have announced a few return dates for a number of shows over on Fox in the US. Uh, the Resident Season 4 and Prodigal Sun Season 2 are starting again at January 12th. 911 and 911 Lone Star are now running together, so there'll be one straight after the other. They're starting January 18th in the US on Fox. Just to give you an idea of you know if you're wondering when these seasons that we're watching now end when the next seasons are coming that will give you some idea that it's going to be at least a month or so after they air in the US possibly even longer uh, but we don't know exactly when they're going to turn up here because it's very difficult to predict particularly with shows which are coming back for second season like Lone Star and Prodigal Son Lone Star presumably if there are any crossover stuff they'll probably run those together I don't know whether there is any crossover but if there is they'll run those together but if not they may just run them straight after each other just so you know all four of those shows are coming back in January in the US so it'll be some time after that when they land here they've also said the Friends reunion is finally going to film in March 2021 according to Matthew Perry so that's been much talked about this isn't actually a comedy dramatic acting thing this is literally just getting the cast back together it's like 2004 when that went off air which is crazy i feel very old <laughs> that that it's so 
so long ago that that's went wow. back off air. But oh. uh, yeah, 2021, March 2021, they've said they're finally going to be filming that. And uh, Doctor Who has begun filming this week as well. So that's the 13th season of that. We have got a Christmas special coming this Christmas, but the 13th season is now back to filming as well. One advanced air date, WandaVision which they originally had like swore up and down was on track to launch in December. They've now decided they're launching it in January on the 15th of January, 2021. I suspect Ooh. that's more to do with the fact that they've got things like the Mandalorian would still be running if they'd launched it yep. in December. And I, I think it makes kind of more yep. sense to say, okay, new year, WandaVision is going to have quite a major impact on the MCU overall as a show. There are things that happen in that which are going to impact things like Doctor Strange and various other things and they've said it will have quite a big impact on the MCU so I think because you know all the other things are coming out next year and starting to come out including the films and stuff I think they're probably just kind of thought we want to give it a clear run we want to give it a clear start and we're just moving it to January rather than kind of having it eke out in December because it was never supposed to be the thing that launched everything it was supposed to go originally after um, Falcon and Winter Soldier Winter Soldier and Falcon, yeah. So it was always supposed to be Falcon Winter Soldier, then One Division. So Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to launch in September, so they would have had a fair run. So it sort of makes sense, I think, to move it into January and out of the way in Mandalorian. It gives you something else to kind of go into. I'm looking forward to that anyway. I, I can wait a bit longer. It's not like we're not short of TV at the moment anyway. So moving on to some longer stories, the CW is working on a Jane Austen series, which is two things that you wouldn't exactly have kind of stuck well, together well, well you say that but then you look at something like Clueless mm-hmm. which is look at the source material of Clueless yeah. so it's not impossible look at the source material of something like Easy A so it's not impossible to do Yeah. I think it's pretty ambitious of them Yeah. I think this could be good I mean there's potential for this to be good because you can play around with the casting obviously you can make it more diverse mm. um, at first I was thinking oh this is going to get cancelled but I think this for instance this is much more up the CW alley than that strange military yes. um, thriller they tried to do a couple of years ago, which, I don't know, somebody somewhere messed up. Yeah, i kind of with you on this, because off the top of your head, you think CW and Jane Austen, how will that work? But it is a modernised version of it. And as you mentioned, Clueless was a modernised version of Jane Austen. Bridget Jones's Diary was a modernised version of Jane Austen. And as much as they like to do things like, you know, we've had film versions of things like Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, most recently, you know, we've had those sort of things. The modernized versions of it have also gone down reasonably well I mean you know people have tried various different versions of it it's one of those things that's a bit like Shakespeare in that you can kind of take the basic premise of it and lift it up and shove it into something else and it sort of works yeah absolutely it would be a modernized version of it it will be uh, Austin's novels with a modern twist a lot of the stuff that she deals with is sort of love and it's family and disconnections between people and the inequality and that sort of stuff the person that is is um, set to be writing it is somebody called Eleanor Burgess who most recently has actually been working on the Perry Mason series but if you okay. actually look at her background she's got quite a strong background as a playwright and a lot of her dramas mm. focus on the sort of trials of you know, younger generations and millennials and a lot of her stories are based around that so that makes sort of quite a lot of sense the exec producer for it is uh, somebody called Stephanie Allen who worked on things like Dear White People and Hustle and Flow 
slow. Um, she's executive producing it. So I think you're probably right. There will be a, a certain amount of diversity stuff in there as well, because a lot of the work that she does is highlighting people of colour and, and that sort of thing. So I think that sounds like it could be quite an interesting series. And yeah, it absolutely. does work. I mean, I you know, when I first read it, you're like, really? And then you go, actually, no, yeah, you can look at things like Clueless and Bridget Jones. And there are a lot of adaptations that have modernised Austin's work. So I sort of think it could work. Still only in development uh-huh. at the moment. Don't know if it will go to series or not. CW doesn't necessarily pick everything up. They do pick up quite a lot of stuff. True. So we'll see whether it turns up eventually. Speaking of the CW, Arrowverse have got another backdoor pilot set up. This one from Black Lightning. And it's based around the character of Painkiller, which I thought was an interesting choice. Um, so follows Khalid Payne, played by Jordan Calloway, a young man riddled with guilt of his troubled past from his former life in Freelance City. As a super enhanced killing machine known as Painkiller, he was both a member of Tobias Whale's gang and a weapon of Agent Odell in the shadowy ASA. After attempting to bury the darker, devastating, lethal painkiller parts of his persona, Khalil has distanced himself away from everyone he knows and loves in a new city, Ashtik Valley, in order to find peace. But peace never comes easy for a man with past like his. As a violent and destructive history crashes his idyllic new beginning, Khalil is thrust back into action with a new mission to bring justice where he once gave out punishment. But to do that, he will first have to deal with and harness his darker side. It's from Salim Akil, who is the showrunner of Bat Lightning. So he's going to be the person that he's going to exact produce and direct the potential spin-off pilot episode. It will run in this upcoming season of Black Lightning, which premieres in America in uh, February, February 8th. It's set to premiere on um, CW in the US and uh, it will land as a box set in the UK probably June-ish because we'll have to wait for it to finish its run in the US. I thought this was an interesting character to pick up because I think he kind it's, of had run his course. Yeah. That that story sort of had run its course really on the main show. And they've not really got a kind of more anti-hero character in, in the Arrowverse. They've got heroes and they've got villains, but they've not got that many anti-heroes as such. So you it's interesting you say that because um, Thunder pretty much serves as a hero and anti-hero throughout like yeah. the last season. It's an interesting choice, but I think it will come down to whatever supporting team he gets around him. Yeah. Because I feel like, especially in the CW shows, that they live and die on whether the people around the main person are interesting, have their own stories, because Black Lightning is excellent. you got that set of people that's amazing. you obviously got Tobias Whale, who's probably one of the best villains on a CW show. Mm. only next to someone like Reverse Flash but he can stay around longer and it yeah. makes more sense for him to constantly be there because he's much closer to say Alex Luthor yeah. than the average supervillain that makes it good so I would be interested to like start hearing about the character breakdowns for the people who are going to help him yeah and I, I do wonder it'll be interesting to see whether they bring in more known comic book characters because yeah. I don't know whether Painkiller's ever had his own book or whether he's always just been 
I, so I, I think it's always been like someone connected directly to Black Lightning. It would be nice to see them bring in a couple, not even recognizable, but just someone who you can hear the name of, go look on Wikipedia or, you know, the DC super fan page and find out. Yeah. I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, it would be interesting to see whether they, they bring in a few more kind of interesting heroes into that series or whether they, you know, start inventing people like they did with uh, Batwoman. Although, the, actually, the Batwoman comic book has introduced Ryan Wilder into the Uh-oh. DC okay. comic book. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, That's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. So, I mean, and we've had things like this before, like yeah. they introduced Chloe John, Sullivan. Yeah, Chloe Sullivan turned up. We had John Diggle. But the way they've always done it is the show's gone out to characters being popular. Of course, Harley Quinn as well was an addition. The show's gone out, characters become popular, then they've introduced them into the comic book. With this, they're actually already introduced her into the comic book and she hasn't gone out on the TV show yet. So it's actually, it's slightly reversed to how it usually happens. But I thought that was interesting that they've kind of, you know, there's, there's this new character that you know is invented for the TV show, but they've decided to already introduce her into the comic book, which I thought was quite nice. So yeah, I'm sort of interested in this. I, I think it's a good choice. They've also upped Chantal Thoy, who played Grace Choi, the yeah. girlfriend, Anissa's girlfriend. She's been up to a series regular in the full season as well, so you'll be seeing more of her. She was the shapeshifter. Well, in theory, we will, but I don't know. CW have a very interesting yeah, definition of um, season regular. <laughs> that is I've, true. As yeah. I've noticed in the past few years. Yes, that but is I've, it's, it's good that she's getting, you know, that enhanced rate. I think she's done excellent on the show. Definitely more than just a girlfriend. The story and interplay between her and Thunder has been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, so, it's been good. And it means, her. yeah, if, even if she doesn't get the screen time, at least she's getting paid more, which is the important thing, I think. Yeah. So that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week. We have a number of shows starting up. The Good Lord Bird, which is a limited series starring Ethan Hawke, David Diggs and Joshua Kelly Johnson as a humorous and dramatic historical tapestry of America based on the award-winning novel by author James McBride. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 18th of November at 9pm if you want to go watch that. For Life, which I'm quite looking forward to. This is a, a new legal drama from the creator of The Last Ship and 50 Cent. It's about a prisoner who becomes a lawyer who is in for life imprisonment but for something he didn't do and uh, he's trying to get himself out but in the meantime lends his legal services out to uh, fellow inmates. Stars Nicholas Pinnock who's a fabulous actor. That's starting on Sky Witness on the 20th of November at 9pm if you want to go and watch that and that's for life. Schooled returns for season 2B on E4 in their random E4 scheduling way. That's coming on the 22nd of October at 12 noon. So, I mean, at least it's landed on E4 and not some obscure weird channel or you know, gone up on Dwarf Hall, but uh, that's the second half of um, Goldberg's been off school that's returning. And uh, Charmed, again, in a random, random time, uh, Charmed Season 2, that is returning to E4 on the 23rd of November at 5pm. It's going out daily. Daily? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. They're running it out weekdays at 5pm and 
and it was a 15 rated show so it's going to be cut to ribbons but you know it is oh, airing no it is oh, airing no. Oh. yeah yeah I didn't realize it was a 15 rated show yeah well, that immediately springs to mind when you think about Charm no I mean certainly the season 1 DVD was 15 rated so yeah it's a bizarre decision by E4 as are most decisions by the E4 schedulers because they're drunk most of the time and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trickster season 1 of that is coming to Sci-Fi UK on the 23rd of November at 9pm it's based on a best selling novel called Son of a Trickster it tells the story of a teen struggling to keep his dysfunctional family above water when he starts to see sort of strange things it looked quite interesting it's I think a Canadian series it's one of those Canadian import series 23rd of November at 9pm if you want to go and watch that and Crossing Swords which has been picked up by ITV2 on the 23rd of November at 10pm this is an adult stop motion comedy it follows Patrick a good hearted peasant who lands a coveted squire position at the royal palace it's from or rather it's EP'd by the guys that make Robot Chicken which gives you some idea of the type of silly adult humour it is there is a trailer up for it very very funny they're kind of quite cute round character things so it's all very stylized. it looks very very funny it's a stop motion thing called Crossing Swords 23rd of November at 10pm on ITV2 if you want to go and check that out and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention no that's all for me really at the moment if people want to find more of you where can they find you they can find me on Twitter at Almasikaneas which is A-L-M-A-S-Y K-I-N-N-E-A-S and you can find me and talk all manner of disaster films <laughs> yes if you want go and do that if you want to find other people involved with the show you can of course find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's Bites with a Y streaming daily and also has various evening streams including her Saturday Scream streams as well I think they're Saturdays or Sundays and uh, you can also go and check out Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for all the podcast stuff over there we are doing Walking Dead World Beyond at the moment and he's doing various other things like Star Trek and that sort of stuff so go and check that out over there for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.